2: Welcome to July's Guild back to back. So we're going to talk about some big picture stuff with Ben Wolf. We're going to talk about fractional leadership, which is going to be pretty exciting stuff, I believe. And then after that, we're going to talk about some of the things you're doing with the Least Buoy, which sounds pretty amazing. Uh, before we get to that, Ben, tell us about you and your companies. Sure.
3: Well, uh, yeah, again, Ben Wolf, you know, founder of Fractional Leadership. So we are essentially an association, the first one for fractional leaders, which is a term for fractional executives, which basically means somebody that is an experienced executive sitting on your leadership team or on your organizational chart it was a lot of experience, you know, building a firm uh, like yours before and uh, or a business like yours before, not necessarily a law firm. And doing so, you know, doing so previously would cost you too much more than maybe some companies can afford or is not, you know, beyond the scope of what they need at that point, uh, they need an experienced executive in marketing, sales, operations, finance, technology, and they can you know, come in and do that on a fractional basis when you can't afford somebody like that full time, but you really need someone with that experience in order to be able to scale the firm.
1: Ben, and I know that's what we're talking about is scaling, because you have some of our favorite books that we talk about in our group on the wall, Rocket Fuel, Traction, Who Not How, and then there's one behind your head. I can't see which one that is. Nope,
3: that's actually way. my book, Fractional Leadership, oh, Landing Executive, you Thought Was Out of Reach, which which is surprisingly, because I didn't realize this when I, re- when I started writing it, the first book on this entire industry of fractional executive leadership. There actually wasn't one before that, uh, which came as a shock to me. Uh, And, yeah, so that came out last October.
1: I think a lot of people have heard sort of of a fractional CFO, but talk to us about, I mean, as a law firm that's grown a lot over the last two years and we're sort of hitting a ceiling, I can see the real need for, I mean, I was a arts and science history major. I can see where a fractional whatever can help fill gaps for people. What's the right mindset that people should be thinking about when they're asking themselves do I need extra help, and how do I do that? how How does a fractional that or a fractional who help me achieve that?
3: right? Well, I like that you tied it into the who not how concept, which is quite appropriate. How do you tell when it's the right time? I would say that the trigger for this, like many other things, is that you're hitting a ceiling that you feel like let's say you're trying to market your firm you're trying to get the word out there. And then you, as the head of the firm, Or as one of the partners just finds yourself having to watch YouTube videos, figure out marketing, learn everything yourself from scratch. Or maybe you've been bringing on just to use that marketing example. You could say this for finance or any of the other fields. But you're you're trying to to market yourself or you're using an outside marketing agency, but you're just kind of realizing they're not really getting it. They're not really getting the messaging. Then you have to kind of babysit and micromanage the messaging and the social media and all these things and the blog posts and... It's just it's just so much work, right? And the whole reason why you're bringing on that marketing agency is so that you could focus on what you like doing best. You know, whether it's business development with, you know, with clients or client service, you know, you know whether it's public speaking, big relationships, or just managing the law piece of it. I mean, whatever your favorite piece is. Whatever, whatever you're the who for, right? Where you know how to do it the best, and you love doing it, or great at whatever it is, and you keep getting pulled into this other area, and it's just, it's just that the two parts of yourself are fighting. You're hitting the ceiling. You can't grow the firm without doing better. Let's say in marketing, but whether it's with an agency, whether it's with you having to figure out stuff yourself, you, it's just not worth it anymore. You can't. It doesn't make sense anymore. You need someone who's actually not just an intern or a junior person that has to figure it out themselves. Also. You need someone that's actually built a business before, or built multiple businesses before. Product launches, marketing campaigns, whatever it is. But they they could go all the way from the strategic to managing a team, whether that's an internal team if you have some marketing staff internally, or whether it's an external team you're using an agency, freelancers or freelancers or some other sort of outsourced resource. You know, bringing on somebody who's built a marketing organization before, who's run a marketing organization at a company your size or bigger before. As a CMO, that's kind of what you need. So you're hitting the ceiling. So bring on someone, bring a who on instead of having to figure out the how, who can manage all of those external or internal resources and help you figure out the strategy. So you can just take it off your head, take that weight off and actually focus on stuff you enjoy doing and are much better at.
2: Had problems getting off mute. So Ben, like, we are in a position now where we're deciding, okay, do we go out and we search for executives? Do we try to hire from within and then get the training necessary for them to, to do fill some of those executive roles? And I wonder like, with your company, Fractional Leadership, which for everybody that wants to know, it's fractionalleadership.io. So if you, if you want to uh, find the website and, and reach out to Ben, that's the website, the domain. But what does your company do? Do you connect the dots, connect the, the people? Do you do the training? Do you do both? What, what is it that fractional leadership does?
3: So fractional leadership, and I appreciate you sharing the URL, is uh, has two sides to it. So one side is that it is kind of the preeminent association for the fractional leaders themselves. So people that want to provide some sort of C-suite, C-level service to clients, multiple clients at a time on a fractional basis for each one. We provide connection, peer advisory groups, professional development, and a bunch of other resources for members of that community to connect with each other and to get better and to continue getting better over time. On the business owner side, we provide a lot of education. So if you go to the website, you can certainly you know get on the newsletter, get on the blog. We have blog posts, podcasts, uh, social media plus the book, fractional leadership, landing executive talent you thought was out of reach, which is on Amazon and uh, you know Audible, paper, hardcover, Kindle, whatever. So you could learn about you know what is fractional leadership. How do you figure out is it for you? Is it not for you? Just a little bit more in depth than we can on this on this quick conversation. Uh, you can learn about it there. The target market of that book is business owners. So that's one thing you can get as education to find out, hey, what is this? Go a little bit more in depth, how to test if it's for you or not, and then guidelines on how to find the right fractional leader if that solution is right for you. And uh, we do also offer a... Vetted referral service. So we have a number of our members of fractional leadership that we've checked their references. We've had conversations about core values. We've vetted them so that we can feel confident that we're making an introduction that is going to be worthwhile. And then go to the fractionalleadership.io. Click on the business owners piece. There's a little button there. You could request a vetted referral, and uh, you know you basically go to that page. You could set up a 15 minute conversation with somebody to explain about your situation, your firm, what you're looking for. Uh, And then we kind of work behind the scenes to figure out the best match or matches for you. And then we'll send you three or up to three uh, vetted referrals within three business days, essentially Uh, try to make the process just easier because otherwise it's a very manual process. Again, we talked about who, not how you end up having to kiss tons of frogs, go on Google, you know, meet 15 different people A lot of them are just not even in the ballpark of what you're looking for, or you can't afford them or whatever. They just don't have the right industry experience. Uh, So we just try to help you skip all that with these vetted referrals.
1: Who's your avatar client? Who are the best kind of firms or business owners for you and your team to work with?
3: So on the business owner side, uh, as opposed to the fractional leaders, I would say it's businesses or firms with typically between... Five and two hundred and fifty people. I know it's a wide range, but you know, it's not necessarily gonna be such a great solution if you're just a solopreneur at this point, or if you just have maybe, you know, one associate and one paralegal or just kind of a very, very small thing. You need it's usually good to have some sort of leadership team with you. So it's in organ total organizations of around to five to two hundred and fifty people. Really could be anywhere. I mean, we you know, there's some clients that are doing it around the seven fifty. 750,000 to 1 million range in the lower end to, uh, you know, obviously 50 or a hundred million on the higher end. And uh, it, it's interesting that I will say in general, law firms have an interesting challenge when it comes to bringing in outside management, uh, which is that some firms have a lot of stakeholders, any of whom could basically veto any decision they want because they're the rainmakers and they're the partners. If you have some firms that are either very united very much able to, I guess, have certain people that are humble or, you know, can they kind of like all agree on whoever's going to be some central leadership and everyone's going to kind of go with that, whatever's decided uh, along their process. But if you have firms where you have, you know, five, 10, 15 partners, a bunch of rainmakers, and kind of any one of them can kind of veto anything that they don't like or just not go along with it, uh, you're going to have a hard time uh, executing any kind of management in whatever part of the firm it is. Uh, any kind of initiatives, you're gonna have a hard time um, migrating those throughout an organization. If you know you have a, a lot of people with, I don't know if I should say fiefdoms. I don't want to use uh, derogatory terminology, but uh, but where where that doesn't become possible, uh, if, if you have like one central partner and maybe a bunch of associates or non-equity partners, or you know, or a small group of partners that are just very able to very much able to get on the same page, it could work. But when you get too big or with too many big stakeholders and rainmakers it, it gets kind of hard to initiate major change in any part of the organization because of the number of vetoes that you have.
2: So I'll ask you one more question then Jim will ask you one more question then we'll talk about what you're doing with the lease because you're doing some really cool things with the lease but I wanted to go I should ask this as a follow up to to the last thing you said it's and I want to know like how do you vet these executives because I'm sure a lot of them have a lot of talent and a lot of them probably think they have a lot of talent, and they don't. So how do you cut through all that to figure out who's qualified who's not to be in these fractional roles?
3: And it's a, it's a great question. And we go into it with a level of humility, right? Because I'm not a marketing expert. I can't judge a CMO, or I'm not a finance expert. I can't judge a CFO in terms of the quality of what they do as a CFO. So we try to keep it simple and recognize our place and where what we're what we could be experts in and what we can't be experts in we just try to keep it simple we have certain core values that we feel all of us need to share in order to serve each other well and serve the the clients that we all serve well um so we have serious behavior you know like you are interviewing people you have behavior based questions so we have behavior-based kind of conversations with all new members that relate to our core values to ensure that everybody's going to be a core values fit with the community. Uh, and then the other thing for the ones that we refer out is, again, we we can't be experts in finance or marketing or technology, but what we could do is we could talk to three of their actual clients who they have served on a fractional C-level basis. And so for any of those referrals that we make, we have actually independently spoken to and gotten an independent reference from three of the clients that they've actually served before. So again, obviously, they might have others out there that hate them. I guess it's theoretically possible, but if they got three that uh, you know they really like them and give them a great reference, and they've actually served in this type of capacity, I mean, that's we're not really going to look into it deeper than that. I was, there's no guarantees, but that's uh, that's what we do to do our best.
1: Ben could you give an uh, an example just so people can get their mind around it what's a good success story of where somebody working with a, a fractional leader has has really paid off
3: That's a great question stories are always so much more helpful than just general principles I'll give an example just cuz it's I have it more ready at hand than uh, even though it's not in the area of law but I'll just give an example from a from a marketing agency you know that I know about this is with a fractional COO where it was a marketing agency. They had, I think they had about six or eight people on board and they were, you know, maybe a little over a million in revenue, but just the owner of this firm was just in everything. I mean, they were in every sales process, closing every deal, involved in every Every client delivery, right? Every project. They were involved in that. They're involved in the finance. They're involved in the bookkeeping. They're just like in everything. So they had some helpers. So some other people were getting stuff done, but they were still in everything. They just realized that he was hitting the ceiling and he was not able to grow his firm anymore. He couldn't scale because he was in everything and there's only so much of him. And he was super stressed out. So he he brought on a woman named uh Leia Leaves. Um great fractional COO I know who specializes in working with marketing agencies. And she she kind of came in. She's built marketing agencies before. So again, she's a COO. She comes in. She's done this before. It's not her first rodeo. She knows what it takes to do it successfully. So she set up professional development programs for the team members, metrics, processes that they could follow so that not everything had to come back to the owner of the firm. And again, I know it's a marketing firm, but I'm sure a lot of us owners of small firms have the same thing. They sell all the clients, they, you know, they get all the engagements, they get all the they're involved in all the client service and they get some help with paralegals, maybe associates, maybe some other staff, but I'm sure they experience some of the similar pain points. Uh, And so Leia was able to come in, set up processes, set up professional development, so that people could feel like they had a growth path within the organization, set up processes and electronic systems to manage workflow better so they weren't so manual as they were before and weren't so just everything in their head as they were before. Uh, And it was able to set it up that they were able to grow. And I think over about nine month period, she got them to actually 18 team members so triple their size. I believe d- doubled or tripled their revenues I forgot if it was in the 2 or 3 million range within less than a year uh, and actually kept their profit margin the same as it was when they were smaller because usually when you're smaller obviously you're going crazy and stressed out but you could have a higher profit margin because you're the you're the main talent right doing everything and you're not paying people because there's fewer people around but they were able to they were able to keep the work that they did efficient in the way that they scaled, Because again, she's just done it before. and that, that's all it looks like is having somebody who's done what you need done before. So you're paying a lot less than you would as a, for a fractional than you would for someone like that full time. Because we're not talking about somebody that's, you know, a 70,000, $80,000 a year person. We're talking about an experienced executive, somebody that's built a, a firm or a company like yours or a similar size before, you know, perhaps before Perhaps at two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand dollars a year or more, plus benefits and taxes and everything and social security that you're paying, and is able to do that for a lot less than that on a fractional basis. It might be more than you'd hire from for an underexperienced person. Less than what you need, it could be the same or even slightly more than that. Just maybe the same as that, but you're getting them on a fractional basis because they've done this before. They could do a lot more than someone who doesn't know what they're doing. I hope that answers the, that, that answers the question. But that's
1: yeah. It totally did. That was a great answer and just what I was looking for. Did you want to ask Ben about what he's working
2: on with Elise? Yeah, let's let's hear it, Ben. I'm, I'm excited. Let's get into the nitty-gritty. Let's hear about what you're doing. I'm, I'm excited about this.
3: Well, I, I don't know. You guys could tell me how familiar your audience is with EOS or the Entrepreneurial Operating System. So, you know, that's a operating system or kind of a set of management tools uh, that small and mid-sized businesses could use. So I have a company... Wolf's Edge Consulting, which is a firm of fractional integrators or part-time integrators, meaning COOs for companies running on EOS. We use the EOS management framework. So Elise Bowie, I don't know if she's listening to or watching this or if she will afterwards, but she's definitely one of our one of our amazing clients, very, very growth-oriented and always looking to learn how to do things better and, you know, caring about her team, caring about her clients and and caring about getting better all the time. Uh, so she had reached out to me and, and we ended up having one of our great team members. We have 12 fractional integrators or 12 COOs on my team at Wolf's Edge, all working just with companies running on EOS and providing COOs to them on a fractional basis. So one of our amazing team members who also happens to be our internal head of sales uh, Jen Hamilton is the fractional integrator at, at Elisa's firm and so she's she's amazing and and that, that's I mean it's basically what we're doing with her so we we we're, we're coming in and helping with their EOS process helping manage the leadership team and uh and be a resource to the leadership team and, and you know and, hope, and 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 through them kind of rolling out and migrating the you know kind of the the good management and effective and results-based management of, of EOS from the leadership team and really migrate that down to the extent they weren't already doing so throughout their organization, you know, obviously at the manager level, the at the frontline attorney level, the staff level.
2: I got I to gotta follow up to that, Jim, if you don't mind. Go ahead, bud. I mean, to me, like fractional to me, it seems like temporary, you know what I mean? And maybe it's supposed to be. But are there opportunities though for those individuals that are the fractional leaders to come on full-time with those companies and actually be members of the firm that they're no longer, they basically strip away that fractional level, like or that's fractional title and they become, you know, COO.
3: Right. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's a good question. It's a fair question. Most of the time, no, just because the people who are going to be really good at being a fractional leader or a fractional COO are because they they want to do that. Like that's what they love doing. They love doing it for multiple clients. They love the variety. They love the fact that you can make more money than you can at a full-time job. They they like the they like the variety. They like the constant challenge. Because at some point part of that fun of being a fractional leader is that you get the you get an organization, there's a lot of transformational change. And then when you get them to a good place and you could transition them over to a full-time solution, you help them hire that full-time integrator or that full-time COO, or you help them elevate someone from internally. You help mentor uh, and coach somebody from internally who could rise into that integrator or that COO role and then, you know, step out, you know, transition them into that role and then step out of the way. Let them let that, let that them grow into that role full-time uh, because if you were there long-term or if you were there full-time what happens is that you you know you kind of make whatever transformational change is practical or or recommended. And then there's kind of a more of a management or an incremental change after that. And for people who go to fractional very often, that's not what they love doing, right? They, they love making transformational change. Uh, and there's only so much transformational change you can make, you know, and at some point it becomes counterproductive. So you want to get them to that level, transition them to a full-time solution, and then move on to the next client that they can make transformational change with, whether that takes six months, 18 months, or two years. So that's typically, you know, and it's a different skill set, right? The different skills that of coming in and making transformational change, and then kind of managing an organization over a longer term. Those not necessarily the same person that's going to be love doing and be great at both of those things. Sometimes you find that uh, you luck out, and you find that person, but it's not always the same person. So having a fractional person allows you to. Kind of do that and then transition over to the person who gets wants and has the capacity to do well on a long term basis, that kind of incremental incremental improvement, incremental and long-term management, more stable management. And, you know, when you hit that plateau and obviously not plateau, you continue growing, but, and you continue improving all the time. Once in a while, you luck out, you know, somebody, they just love you so much. They just fall so much in love with you. You fall so much in love with them. And people do, you know, turn away from the fractional life. Sometimes that definitely does happen. I've heard of it happening. Uh, But if you're, if you kind of go into it, kind of banking on that being the ending, uh, it's not really something you could bank on. I would
1: say that. So Elise sends her purple heart love and she says, hey, Ben, she said, Jen thrives with chaos. Once our firm is all neat and tidy, it won't be fun anymore. And (laughs) that sounds like Elise and it sounds like a lot of us. One of the things you just said, instead of get it, want to have the capacity, you said love, love it.
3: You know, it's that which you love doing and are great at. We talked about who, not how, the Dan Sullivan language. So another thing he talks a lot about is unique ability. Yeah. which is what the 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 nexus between what you love doing and you're great at. So that that's kind of the whole point of having a fractional leader is what is that hopefully you you know or a fractional CEO in this case is that piece of managing people and all the follow through and everything That's what they love doing and they're great at. So you allow them to do what's in their unique ability so that you could focus on what you as the firm owner is in your unique ability. So again, maybe you love the business development. You love talking to new clients or maybe you love running the cases or doing the big trials or whatever it is like you have, whatever it is that you love doing and are great at, whether it's more the technician piece, more the sales piece, whatever it happens to be more the visionary piece, maybe being a thought leader in your field and being a big speaker, whatever it is that you, that, that you love doing it or great at whatever's your unique ability, that's where you're going to add the most value to the firm. And by bringing in a fractional COO or fractional integrator or any other kind of fractional executive allows you to say, okay, you know what? You take ownership on your shoulders of the marketing of the, of this firm and we're and collaborating with all the other members of the leadership team as part of the team, just on a fractional basis, or doing that with finance or doing that with sales or uh, technology or, People operations or whatnot. And then you, as the firm owner, can focus on your unique ability, what you're what you're great at. And that does tie into to Tyson's question, also, which is that making transformational change is the happy place. That's the unique ability. That's what many fractional leaders, fractional integrators love doing and are great at. Um, and then, you know, kind of managing a stable organization and managing incremental change is not their happy place. It's not what they love doing and are great at. So they're going to move on to an organization where they're great at that and they could bring in that long-term, that maybe more stable, long-term, more follow-through oriented, less on the transformational change piece, long-term integrator, whether that's, again, somebody you're elevating from inside or whether that's somebody that we can help you find as an external hire and then help you transition over to. And that's going to be somebody who that's their happy place. That's what they love doing to great at. So, fractional full-time you as a firm owner it's just you know it's kind of a network of different roles and always trying to uh, be maximally adaptable and agile to pick the right people to do the right things where everybody could be in their unique ability where they're going to be much more effective than just kind of forcing yourself or forcing other people to do things that's not really within their unique ability.
1: Running your own practice can be scary whether you're worried about where the next case will come from Feeling like you're losing control over your growing firm or frustrated from being out of touch with everyone working under your license, the stress can be overwhelming. We will show you how to turn that fear into a driving force of clarity, focus, stability, and confidence that eliminates the roller coaster of guilt-ridden second-guessing and mistake-making to get you off that hamster wheel for good.
2: Maximum Lawyer and Minimum Time is a step-by-step playbook that shows you how to identify what your firm needs and how to proactively get it at every stage of the game so you're prepped and excited for the inevitable growth that will follow. Name the lifestyle that you want, and we'll show you how to become a maximum lawyer in minimum time. Find out more by going to MaximumLawyer.com forward slash course. So Ben, a lot of the members, they actually do go, they go through EOS and they use EOS and Jim uses EOS. Uh, I've read, I've read the books. I We use Scaling Up and I know a few other members use, you know, Scaling Up. It They're very similar methodologies. Yeah, yeah. But let's say you take on, let's say you were to take on a fractional COO, you know, an integrator. What's that process like to, to, for lack of a better term, integrate them into your processes and and do the whole? Let's use EOS as an example. You know, doing that, the whole process of, of doling out who does what.
3: Right. Well, I'll I'll just describe briefly a picture of what it looks like in my firm. I, obviously, every every firm or solo practitioner might do it a little differently, but. Typically, you know, well, we have a sales process, but starting after that, right? So uh, when we start to get going, we'll have the fractional integrator or the fractional COO will typically like spend a day with, to spend a day with you. Now that could be virtual or, you know, it, it could be in person. Very often we like whenever possible to do it in person, uh, but spend has a day to you, a day together with you. That's spending real time with all the members of your leadership team, having a discovery day, basically learning, tell me about your job. Tell me how things work at this firm. Tell me what you think is working, what's not working. And kind of getting everybody's perspective and learning, and kind of absorbing a, an overall picture of what's going on, what the issues and opportunities are. And and then at the end of that day, getting together with the visionary or the firm owner, uh, the business owner, and kind of also you know getting clear on what you know what does success look like. I mean, we talk about this in the sales process also, and kind of get clear on some of those things, but. What does success look like? What does a success for this engagement look like? What do things need to look like six months or 12 months from now in order for you to feel like this engagement was a success or that your business is where you want it to be at that point? And then when you can kind of discuss and negotiate what that looks like and what's realistic and what's feasible, the conversations with the other team members may give the person a perspective that the business owner, even though they are full-time and have been there for years with everybody from day one, don't actually have. And they don't actually realize what's going on uh, fully or at least in certain areas. Obviously, in some areas, a fractional will never, you know, unless they were even if they were there full-time for a year, they wouldn't understand certain things as well as you guys internally. But we, you know, after that learning, get clear with you what kind of communication method works for you. Well, you, you mentioned strategic coach Jim, right? So you have the communication builder. I don't know if you've seen that tool that they have, which is Kind of, do you like to be communicated with verbally? Do you like to get it by email? Do you like text messages? Do you like voice notes? You know, is it the morning is better? The evening is better, right? Everybody has their own way that they best like to receive information and the best way that they like to give information. Do you like to receive information with like lots of detail or just give me the bottom line, right? Everybody has their own communication style. So get clear on what the right right communication style is with you. And then what what we do is we set up a, a cadence For working together. So there'll be a leadership team meeting every week. We typically like to have brief check ins, or depending on the intensity of the engagement, possibly more than brief check ins, but at least brief check ins with every leadership team member, preferably a number of hours before at least that leadership team meeting so that we can touch base on, hey, what are your to-dos for this week? What are your metrics for this week? What are your milestones that are coming up on your rocks, on your major projects? What are they? To kind of reconnect because people get so busy, right? In with client work, with with whatever it is that they're doing, they get so busy with the day-to-day, get so busy with the fires that always need to come up and need to be put out that it's it's very hard to step back and work on those things that are important for the firm to get where you want it to get to, but not as urgent as some of those fires or some of the emergencies that come up day-to-day. So kind of refocus on those one-on-one meetings back to the, you know, the stuff that they're working on that's important, but not urgent. The, again, the measurables, the milestones towards the major quarterly rocks towards whatever's working what's not working meeting every week typically with the firm owner right to kind of get them caught up with everything you're learning from everybody else and see what's on their mind and kind of compartmentalize all the stuff that's on their mind and all the stuff that they're worried about whatever's annoying them and kind of compartmentalize that into wherever each thing belongs uh, and then hopefully we're able to work out among the leadership team a lot of stuff so that it doesn't so that it could be resolved below the leadership team level Work out a bunch of stuff with the firm owner, with the visionary below the leadership team level, and then really maximize that time that the leadership team spends together making decisions and addressing issues that are the best use of their time, the most effective use of their time. Uh, depending on the intensity of an engagement, uh, they're also maybe working on uh, the fractional COO, fractional integrator, maybe coming in and working on a major project or a rock on their own. Maybe they're getting a major process. Maybe they're getting one of the core processes of the business documented. So they're working with team members and getting some major process documented and figuring out what measurables to connect to that documented process, how to get that process trained, and kind of work on the, the rollout of that process and how we make sure we're quality controlling afterwards and getting it trained and whatever, just kind of working on the rollout of a major process. Maybe that's a one example of a quarterly Rock. Or maybe there's a, a new workflow sp- you know, a a new CRM that you guys are rolling out or you want to roll out to uh, start managing your workflows and your sales process. So kind of maybe work on managing that, not doing all the detailed work, but maybe managing the outside vendor that's doing that, managing the inside people that are working on that and just kind of taking over ownership of making sure it gets done and gets done right so that it's not just one more thing that's on the owners of the firm's head that nobody else really has a responsibility or capacity to think about. Uh, so kind of get that off of their head as being the only one who's responsible for it. So that's you know, kind of maybe take on a rock or like a a big project, meet with the leadership team, um, meet with the leadership team, I'm sorry, meet with the leadership team, meet with them individually, meet with them as a leadership team, meet with the firm owner. It's a little bit of kind of painting a picture of what it looks like on a week to week basis. Uh, and then ultimately what we do, like I hinted at earlier, is we try to signal the end of the engagement when we kind of make the transformational change that we can make whenever they are ready for that full-time solution, for that full-time integrator or COO, or maybe when it's ready for somebody internally, hey, that is the right person. We can elevate them, help mentor and coach that person up into the integrator role. I had one uh, former client of mine that I was with for almost two years, um, an ad tech firm, where I was a fractional COO. And after two years of working with them... We realized that their it was you know that their head of product right because they were a tech company so their basically their head of product would be a great integrator so I helped work with him kind of coach and manage him and then and then help him with the transition for, uh, of him into the integrator role so he kind of you know we kind of helped him how to do even more delegation than what he was already doing in the product department so that he could free up more time uh, help them you know help teach him. And mentor him on what it looks like to be a great integrator. I mean, obviously, he had had great natural skills in that, but helped give him some more management and and mentoring in that. Um, And then did a a one-month transition process and then transitioned him over. And it's going great now, you know, where he stepped back a little bit from some of his day-to-day roles and got stronger managers in his product team. Uh, and then was able to uh, was able to take over more time, kind of managing the whole business and managing the other leadership team members. I could certainly imagine maybe senior attorneys or partners or senior associates that you know could be in a, in a firm that might might have the capacity if they're you know so inclined, if they're great at and love managing people, then uh, you know they love getting done getting things done through other people, not just getting things done per- personally. Uh, you know they could potentially be. Be, be good potential integrators for, for, you know, for potential elevation to that role uh, if that's if that's what they aspire to do.
1: Tyson asked me, Ben, right as we got started, what I was doing today and what I was doing was we were redoing our accountability chart and included in there, we're going to be starting to work with a fractional CFO. So I'm wondering what advice do you have for me and my current leadership team as we sort of incorporate them into a leadership board that's been running things on our own for and in and in EOS for about two years.
3: Well, one is I would I would want to ensure that you guys involve the fractional CFO in your uh, leadership team meetings, so they're going to be in your l tens. Okay, awesome. Uh, this is one thing because again, like as you as you probably know, like if th- this stuff that happens in the marketing seat that affects finance, the stuff that happens in operations or legal services that affects the finance scene. The subside happens in finance and other people need to hear it. Like everything that everybody does, if they're working towards the greater good of the firm, everything's going to affect everybody else. So if they're excluded from that, obviously uh, that, that, that would not be utilizing them to their fullest. So that's great to hear. I guess I would just say to make sure you're clear with yourself what success looks like and then communicate that to uh, the CFO uh, before they come in or while they're there so that, right? Because one of the biggest frustrations for any kind of, I mean, it's, it's, a, it applies to full-time employees too, but, but certainly I've seen it in the fractional executive space. One of the biggest problems and reasons why engagements fail is because of unexpressed or unclear expectations on either side. Uh, so if you're not, expl- you know, if you expect certain things, if you expect them to kind of manage all your bookkeeping team and you shouldn't have to talk to the bookkeepers anymore. And then, but you don't, ex- ex- you don't, you don't, Make sure that's explicit. Like maybe they assume you're just looking more for advice and just kind of someone hands them the numbers once a month and they kind of look it over, tell you their analysis and that's it. That's it. They're not actually managing the finance team. Uh, or what's their involvement with billing? What's their involvement with billing review before bills go out to class? Because I'm sure all the attorneys want to review their bills. Right so you just have to make sure how, how, what's the you know what's the intersection between operations and finance what are you expecting from them are you expecting them to manage financial operations I mean, I don't know the answers to any of these things with you, but just make sure that you're clear with what you're expecting. Like if you would be kind of disappointed if the engagement didn't have X, Y, and Z, well, make sure you tell them that that's what you're expecting. Uh, and that that's, that's what you see as a successful engagement, because when you don't say it, you just assume, oh, of course, that's part of it. You know, you know, of course you're making an assumption. Of course, this should be part of it. And they might be making an assumption. Well, of course, that's not part of it. Right. And then, you know, and then you have dashed expectations on your part and, And they get frustrated with you. You You're frustrated with them. Hopefully you can work it out if you could just communicate openly and honestly. But the best thing is obviously communicate it before you even get started. Uh, Make sure you're on the same page. And sometimes you might have an expectation. They say, well, that's not exactly what I do. And then you could negotiate. You could just talk it through. Hey, maybe I'm not right for you or maybe I could do that. But okay, great. Now let's just kind of renegotiate things and maybe I need more hours if you expect this. You can kind of rediscuss it uh, at whatever point you bring it up. But just make sure whatever's in your head that you would be kind of miffed if they weren't doing it, or if they started doing it, you'd be kind of miffed. If they did that, just be kind of, just be clear within your own head, what those things are and then make sure to say them out loud uh, because, uh, and then discuss it through together because uh, just kind of dashed expectations and kind of, when you don't state something and you assume one thing, they assume something else is it's just that that's the biggest reason why I think why engagements are going to, are going to fail. Also once it starts I would just say lack of communication is another reason why it might not succeed. Primarily this would be on them which is that they should be actively communicating with you so you know what's going on, uh, so you know what's going on with them, you know what they're working on, you know what their priorities are, you know what they're seeing, uh, and also again just that you communicate with them about what's bothering you or what you're what you're seeing uh so that there's just full communication on both sides. Uh, I would say because when you stop communicating or if you stop meeting regularly, uh, they end up going off in different directions and starting getting siloed. And you're going to end up making assumptions that they're not doing the things that they should be doing, which might be right or they might not be. But you don't know if you're not talking regularly.
2: I do want to ask if you don't mind. And I, I don't think Elise would buy it because she's she's one that recommended you. But I, I, I want to I want to see if you could share some more details as to what Elise has got going on, because we all love Elise. She's a she's a. You know, a force to be reckoned with. So, uh, just just want to hear a little bit more about the details as to what she has going on.
3: Well, uh, I'll, I'll try to share what I can.
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Without you know, without you know, violating no, anything too
3: private. Yeah, yeah. The, um, Elise is from my conversations with her. From everything, Jen, who's the fractional integrator uh, working with her, uh, has been telling me you know, Elise is, and this is a great quality. I mean, she's getting so much more, so much faster results from her work with Jen because of the qualities that she, Elise has, which is that she is humble. She is looking to grow. She wants to learn and listen from her team members, from Jen, you know, and, and she, You know, it's just, she's not fighting every potential change or every, like, you know, I'm not saying, you know, some clients are like that, you know, they're kind of fighting everything and you come, you know, and it's true. Like, you know, I want to make sure to say this is that we're coming in as a fractional executive. We don't know, we don't know your business, whatever form of law you practice or law in general, we don't know your team. We don't at the leadership level or below that. We don't know your customers. We don't know your product. We don't know your field. We come in knowing that we don't know those things and that's fine, right? Because what we, what we do know and what we are good at is managing people, managing accountability, you know, how to, how to manage projects and leadership teams and vision and align vision with what people are doing and set up measurables and accountability and like make decisions and then get those decisions executed on, Like right? That's the stuff that we're good at. So what we do is we come in and we, we channel your knowledge, right? Cause you guys are the experts in your people, in your product in your uh, customers, your clients, you guys are the experts in those things. So we kind of learn about those things at a high level, don't need to get into all the detail. And then without making our own judgments, like we just assume that you're right, you know, basically. I and mean, we might ask probing questions because maybe you're not sometimes, but we don't know that. We just only find out through probing questions and then help you uh, get to clarity about wh- what's right and channel your knowledge, channel the wisdom in your leadership team and the wisdom in you into the skills and you know and management that we have to actually get stuff done instead of hitting yourself against the same ceiling and hitting feeling like you're hitting your head against the same wall again and again. So when it comes to Elise in, in you know in the work the work with her firm, Jan is like is coming in, working with Elise, meeting every week, working with her leadership team and helping them get clarity around what is the right accountability chart for them. What is the what is the right structure for their firm that's going to get them where they want to get to? What's going to be the right structure that gives all of the members of the team a great feeling of having a path forward, of doing what they're great at, of being in a great culture, even in a in a remote firm like hers is, uh, and uh, and so figuring out and channeling all that knowledge into a way that's executable, and helping to be that kind of outside voice. Right, because sometimes you're you're just with the same people all the time. And they say a fish can't see water, right? Because it's all around them, we can't see air because it's all around us. So similarly, in your firm, like a lot of stuff goes on and you just stop seeing it because you're always in it, you're swimming in it. So you don't see it like a fish doesn't see water. So having that outsider come in and they can ask a lot of questions and they'll see things that you just stop seeing or never saw because you're because it just kind of slowly developed like the frog, you know, the water boils slowly, you just got used to it. So even though it's a lot of pain, you don't see that that's anything not normal about that. So they as an outsider help you see those things that aren't normal or that are counterproductive and help you get back to clarity again and effectuate effective change. So you can actually get the firm to be how you want it to be, to be more in line with the vision that you have in your head that maybe existed. And that's why you started this firm. Uh, But you kind of, but you can't figure out how to practically get, you know what Z looks like and you're at A, but you can't figure out how to actually navigate what's, you know, what actually is B and what's C and what's D that will get us to Z. So kind of what we help you do is, you know, we find out from you what Z is, right? What's that destination that you're typing into the GPS and then we help you be that kind of ways or that GPS that kind of tells you, okay, based on that destination and based on what you're telling me about where you are now, your GPS location, I can say, okay, this is your next turn and your next turn and your next turn. And we'll kind of work with you to kind of repeat that process, rinse and repeat every quarter. You know, what are your next few moves that's going to get us or that's going to get you towards where you want it to be? I don't know. I was kind of going around and around the answer. I'm not sure. Did that help? Is no, you, it yeah, it was out? absolutely. Yeah.
2: It was great. And uh, we're about to wrap up. I, and I'm I, uh, I'm going to tell people a little story about you really quick about the beginning. This is how prepared Ben was. So Ben, based upon the topic changed his background sign. Just, yeah, like that side, he, he actually unscrewed it and changed it just for this. Just, so it was so great. It was, I've never seen it before. It was so great, but Ben, <laughs> Let's wrap things up. Tell people if they want to work with you, how to get in touch with you. Go.
3: Well, if you're looking for a fractional integrator, if you think that might be something you could use um, myself or one of the members of my leadership team are happy to have a conversation. Wolf's edge integrators.com. That's Wolf's edge integrators.com. Wolf's that's with an S. Wolf's edge integrators.com. You can reach out to us, you know, find out more information there. Obviously you can reach out to us through the site and we'll be happy to have a conversation. We do a discovery call. We kind of actually send you a summary email to kind of reflect back to you what we've heard, like where you want to get to, what things want to look like, what the issues are, why it's important to make sure we understand the context correctly. We circle back internally to think, hey, who's the right team member that might be good for this? What's the right solution or what are the right options that might get you to those goals that you've articulated? And then we have a second call where we kind of go over our proposal together and see if there's something that makes sense or not uh, but we're happy to go through that discovery and exploration process together wolf's edge integrators.com
2: love it thank you so much it's been great very informational have a great day ben really appreciate thanks. you. thanks here. great it to meet awesome. you thank you, see you ben. bye
1: thanks
3: for listening to the maximum, the maximum lawyer podcast to stay in contact with your host and to access more content, more content. go to MaximumLawyer.com. maximum lawyer.com